0: happy new year. Hey, it's funny. The happy new year thing, like everybody's saying it night of the next day, and then it starts to trail off. Like life starts to hit and it doesn't feel so new anymore. You're like, just because the calendar changed doesn't mean my circumstances necessarily did either. And everybody stops saying it a little bit, but there may be something that's continued. Did anybody make a new year's resolution? Show of hands. Come on, y'all be proud about it. That's right. So it's about, it's about 30 to 40% that holds true with global population. Those of you who didn't raise your hands, I'd ask why? Like, why didn't you make a New Year's resolution? You're like, because they never last. That's right, according to Strava and Inc. Magazine, they took a survey of over 800 million users of an athletic software and they noticed something, that people made New Year's resolutions and the subscriptions spiked incredibly. And then they noticed a strange phenomenon. By the second Friday in January, boom, 80% of the users dropped off. 80%, y'all. That means that 80% of New Year's resolutions will be done by the second Friday in January. Welcome to church. I'll be your motivational speaker for the day. So all you that made New Year's resolutions, you need to know that just 8% of you will make it to your resolution. Now, that doesn't mean you shouldn't do it, but what it does mean, because they did a follow-up study, they're like, what in the world? Like You paid all this money for this athletic subscription to an app and a device, you bought equipment, you went public on social with the New Year's resolution, how you're gonna get fit, eat right, sleep well, get whatever it is, why did you quit? They did a follow-up study. The follow-up study revealed, well, I didn't have enough willpower. That was it. And we know this, biblically. Like, willpower is not greater than sin's power. But we have a truth, an eternal truth, that God's power is greater than sin's power. And so what we don't need, necessarily, is a New Year's resolution. We need a New Year transformation. Transformation that we would be transformed in Jesus Christ and that he would continually transform us every single day of every single year until we are at home with the Lord and the transformation is complete, that third 10th of salvation, which is glorification, when we see him fully as he is and are transformed entirely in his presence. Now there was a New Year's where uh, I had not yet been transformed by any stretch by the Lord Jesus. I was conformed very much to the world. I was, I was living on a couch. I was an alcoholic for about over a decade. I had two doctors tell me that if you keep drinking like this, you're going to die. And frankly, I was fine with that. I was taking sleeping pills while drinking, hoping that I wouldn't wake up. Smoking weed whenever it was around, combination of painkillers with alcohol. I was a mess of a man. I had stopped going to work. I was wrecked. And they say that a, a picture is worth a thousand words. And so in case you're like, John, is that really, was that really the case? Were you really that far gone? Here's, here's a picture of that part of my life. And, and you can laugh or you can cry. Uh, they're probably both appropriate. David Peniel, our creative director, he said, was, was that Halloween? I was like, no, man, that was just another night in Austin. That was just going out in Austin. Eyeliner, eyeliner, nose ring, hollow, dead soul of a man. Dead in my sins, you can see it in my eyes. And what happened is, after a family intervention, I quit drinking. And when I quit drinking, it was like taking a pacifier from a crying baby And I started, my my flesh was screaming because the only semblance of peace that I had, which was the numbing, sedating effect of alcohol, it was now gone. And so I was coming undone. You think that picture was bad. Like you remove the alcohol, it was even worse. Until after having been in an AA meeting and hitting step three where it says, surrender your life and will over to your higher power, whoever you deem him to be, I got on my knees beside that couch I was living on. I was like, Jesus, I've squandered everything you've given me, but whatever I have left, it is yours. And Jesus transformed me. He sent the Holy Spirit to live inside of me, sealed me, didn't make me better, made me new. I was born again and he gave me a lasting peace. Far beyond that poisonous, fleeting, false peace of alcohol, now I had life-giving, sustaining, spiritual peace. And my depression, my despair turned to joy and hope. And he put a song in my mouth instead of curse words and became a new man. He transformed me. But it wasn't just a a 2005, 2006 thing. Like he's still transforming me daily as I yield to him. Jesus began this work and continues it every single day, this transformation. Six months later, after uh, the Lord got me sober, I'm sitting there and and I'm writing down a vision statement as part of this discipleship program. And I wrote down these words that Jesus is real. Because I was a deist before. I'm like, God made all this, but he doesn't have anything to do with me. Now I know, oh, he he is real. He just changed everything at the age of 30. Jesus is real. You are never too far gone. And he can change everything. And I'm gonna spend the rest of my life telling everyone I can He's real. You're never too far gone, and He can change everything. And for the last 17 years, that's what the Lord has allowed me to do. As I've seen Christ radically and wholesale change everyone from every sin under every, sun, under, under every sin under the sun. Like He just—it's what He does. What He did for me, He'll do for every other person because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and always. It's what He lives to do. We need only ask. And so I've seen him do it. I've seen him do it for a decade in regeneration, our Christ-centered, biblically-based 12-step program. I've seen it do it in community groups throughout this campus, throughout this city, throughout the world. It's what Jesus lives to do. And so I, I don't know where you are today, but I do know this, that no matter what you've done, no matter what's in your past or what is in your present, Jesus is greater than it all. He'll transform everything. He will break every addiction, free every prisoner, heal every broken heart, give peace to every person racked by anxiety and control. It's what he does. He is the prince of peace. And he will give you transformation in this new year. Because of this, Jesus doesn't teach old dogs new tricks. Jesus makes old dogs new. He will not give you a better life. He'll give you a new life. It's what he does. So if you want a clean slate, if you want a do-over, if you want a second chance, or maybe you're like, I don't need a second chance. I need a 1,000th chance. Then what you want and what you need is Jesus. And no other self-help, no other life hack, No other book, no other amount of time spared Jesus alone can give you the longing of your heart and the change that your life desires, and he'll do it. He will do it. I am proof of it. This word testifies to it, and this room is full of other people who could heartily say amen to that fact. And so welcome to church. Yeah, amen indeed. This is a spiritual emergency room. Like we don't come here all well and healed. Nobody waltzes into an emergency room just to sip on a cup of coffee. They walk in with some kind of ailment or affliction knowing that they need to be better. They need to be healed. They're broken and need to be made whole. That's what this is. And what kind of church, what kind of an emergency room would ever be like, hey, you know what? Like come back whenever you're feeling better. Instead, and and no emergency room would ever be like, wait, you did what? Do you know how stupid that is? Instead of be like, hey, come, it's okay. We got you. It's gonna be okay. Right in the middle of the word broken are the letters okay. You come broken, it's gonna be okay because of Jesus. That's what this place is. There is no condemnation, no shame, there is transformation. Once and for all in Jesus and ongoing by the power of the Holy Spirit, which is our vision statement for the church, it is to be transformed by Christ. And not just that, transformed by Christ to love like Christ, to love God and love others. That is the vision statement of the church. And the reason why is because everyone in this room is in need of the same thing. No matter where you are, We're all in need of transformation, every single one of us. You're either someone or you have something in your life that shouldn't be, everyone. And so we just need to come before the Lord Jesus Christ and be like, transform me or transform that part of me. Continue the work that you have begun in Jesus Christ, my Lord, and he will. Far beyond anything, any resolution could ever do. And so this is what we're gonna be talking about today is the vision statement for the church. We're gonna unpack it, specifically the first half. It's transformed by Christ to love like Christ. I'm gonna cover transformed by Christ. Then next week, TA is gonna do the second part to love like Christ. And then in two weeks, I'm gonna cover our four values. After that, we're gonna be walking through 1 Peter verse by verse throughout the end of April. It's gonna be incredible spring and I can't wait for it. So here's your roadmap for today. It'll be up on the screen if you wanna take notes or we'll send out the sermon notes later, whatever best serves you today. But here's where we're going. Three ways that we are transformed by Christ. One, we are transformed. Well, let me me say this. You're gonna see transformed by Christ because that's the vision, the first half of the vision statement. But there's going to be a bracketed section of three ways that we are transformed by Christ. So, first, transformed by the death and resurrection of Christ, transformed by the daily renewal of Christ, and third, transformed by the declared will of Christ. To do so, we're going to walk through Romans 12 1 through 2. If you want to turn there in your Bible or Find it on your phone app. So first, transformed by the death and resurrection of Christ. Romans 12.1, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship, the word therefore is incredibly pregnant with meaning. It says, therefore, according to the mercies of God. And it's like, well, therefore, what? Like the, the last verse of chapter 11 is like, no, no, no. No, the, the therefore is the entire previous chapters of Romans 1 through 11. Romans 1, that the gospel is the power of God for salvation for all who would believe. And well, who's that for? Chapter two, it's for everybody. It doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, Jew or Gentile, it's for everyone. Chapter three, that all have fallen short of the glory of God and that no one will be justified by following the law. You can't be righteous on your own. He's both the just and the justifier. And chapter four, that it is the righteous will be saved by faith, not a matter of works. And five, that the first Adam brought death, but the second Adam, Jesus brings life. The second son of man, Jesus Christ brings life. And so in six, it says, but what do I do? It's like, well, you were a slave to sin and therefore you were crucified with Christ and therefore you've been raised again to walk in newness of life. And it begs the question in seven, but, but I still sin. Yeah, you do. You still wrestle with the flesh. Who's gonna rescue you from this body of death? Thanks be to Jesus Christ, our Lord well, I'm just gonna continue struggling then? No, Romans 8, it says, those who are children of God are led by the Spirit of God and nothing can separate you from the love of God. And then you've got 9, 10, and 11. What about the Jews who have rejected him? The Lord's arm is not too short to save. If a wild shoot has been grafted in, how much more will they? And so no one is beyond the reach of the Lord. Because of all that, that's the therefore, That therefore is like the incredible gospel, and as a result of the gospel. And here it is Romans 10, verse 9 it says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, which is your spirit, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Salvation, born again. Spirit sealed by the Holy Spirit, eternity secure, transformed from death to life. That's the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as a result, he says, Therefore, according to those mercies of God, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, present your bodies, the totality of your being to God. Holy and acceptable, like set apart only to Him which will make it acceptable. He says, This is your spiritual worship. The word spiritual in the Greek is logikos, which sounds a lot like what? Logical. This this is the only logical spiritual response. A result of everything that God has done for me in saving me, now I will give myself. Holy to him. It's the only logical spiritual response. That is my act of worship that I would do. And so here's the thing. We are, we are saved and transformed by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But get the loaded of this. We are also sanctified by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. There's a transformative work when we are born again and there's a transformative work as we are sanctified more into the image of Christ by the spirit of Christ. He continues this work. I thought about our third born, Judd, because we ran into the doctor who delivered him. Uh, Last week, this doctor's servant on the parking team and he was like, hey, Elmore family. And here's Judd as a five-year-old that he delivered, you know, November 20th, 2017. And, And we're like, telling Judd now, who can understand, like, hey, this is the doctor that delivered you. Like, he's, when you were born, this is the doctor that brought you into the world. But then there's another watermark doctor, Abby Smith, and that doctor cares for Judd to make sure that he grows up right. She does health checks and, and takes care of him as he grows and continues and develops into a man. There was a, a doctor that brought born again, there's a doctor that continues as he grows. And so it is with us. I think sometimes we're like, all right, doc, like born again. I got got this now. I know what to do. I got your word. Like, I'm just going to, I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to walk according to your way, but I got it. I got it. It's clear. It's clear. I got it. And we lack transformation. The reason why we lack transformation is because we lack that continuity. The one who saved us is the one who keeps us safe which is the problem. It's why the, we can be saved but not sanctified, why we don't have further transformation. I think it's because, I know for me at least, we can be content to be transferred rather than transformed. What I mean by that is we'll be content to be transferred to heaven one day, like, you, get to, you know, I'm not gonna go to hell, I'll be transferred to heaven one day, and we, and we leave it at that, rather than desiring the ongoing transformation We want heaven but not holiness and it must not be. And so how can it be that I say that there was a transformative effect to be born again by Jesus' death and resurrection but there's an ongoing transforming effect of Jesus' death and resurrection now because that was 2000 years ago. So how's that still taking place? And the reason why is because we were crucified and raised again with Christ. Scriptures make it clear. In Romans chapter six, here it is in Galatians 2.20, it says, for I, Paul writes, I have been crucified with Christ because the old Paul was a slave to sin and Satan, the flesh. And so that old man had to die. He'd been crucified with Christ. And it says, as a result, think about living sacrifice. It's no longer I who live. So now we have crucified with Christ, but I who live? So there is the Death and resurrection of Christ in Paul as a sanctifying, transformative work. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's this responsive effect you gave yourself for me, therefore I will give myself for you to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. John Owen, great theologian from 400 years ago, he wrote a book called Mortification of Sin, I commend it to you, and he writes that there there are two ways, there's the mortification of the flesh, and then the vivification, or the giving of life to the spirit, but specifically he works with the mortification of the flesh, or mortification of sin. The second point, we'll talk about the vivification, but the mortification, you think, Mortician or muerte in Spanish—it's it's death to put to death sin or the flesh. Romans eight thirteen says if you live according to the flesh you will die. You do what you want to do. See my picture. You will die. But if by the Spirit you can't do it, but by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the flesh, you'll live so there is the mortification of the sin and of the flesh, but it's nothing we can do. I can't resolution my way out of sin. The spirit is the sin killer. So I invite him to do the work. Recently, you're never gonna guess this, but I'm prone to skin cancer. Now I, can get a, I can get a sunburn from being out in the night from the moon. I, uh, I go to my dermatologist for my twice annual, I guess that makes it biannual or semi-annual, whatever it is, but my skin cancer check there and she's like, hey, uh, there's a lot going on on, on your forehead, so we're going to just apply something across all of it. And normally it's like get something frozen off, burned off, whatever. This was like, all right, we, we, need, we need to do a lot of work this time. So she's like, you need to find a point in time where you don't have a lot going on and you just need to like go five days of this, of this cream. And so I, I have the prescription and I, I took it out and, and would put it on my first... First day, I'm like, not so bad. Dude, by the end of the fifth day, I'm putting it on. It feels like I'm dragging razor blades across my forehead. And it's like I am lit up like Rudolph, except on my forehead. And uh, the TA was teaching Christmas, so I did it there at the break. <laughs> and I didn't do any of it. Like, the, I didn't heal myself from skin cancer. The cream did. The cream is what has power to kill my cancer. I, this motion or rubbing it in, that has, that has no ability to kill cancer. This had the ability to kill cancer. It only needed to be applied. And so it is with the Holy Spirit, so it is with Jesus, It'd only be applied. But I think what we can tend to do is we, we carry around the prescription. We carry around the prescription, we're like, yeah, yeah, I, I, I got it, I got the prescription. I got it, I know what it is. I've, you know, I've been in church a lot. In fact, I've got some, I got some of the prescription memorized. Do you want to hear it? You know, I've got the prescription memorized. I've got a few of them memorized. I, I talked to the doctor. Yeah, I talked to, we're on a first name basis. Me and the doc, we talk. I even tell others about the benefit of if you were to apply this, what, I mean, your life would be changed. And yet in some area of life, we don't take it out and actually apply it ourselves. And I think, having been around enough in Christian circles and churches, I think there can be this thing where you're like, man, I've attended for years, but I've got this struggle that I've had for decades. Like, I'm glad it worked out for you, but it hasn't for me. And I've pled with the Lord, and I've tried, and I've gone up front after the service, and I've memorized the scriptures. So, so what is it? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to apply it, and it's not dying. So what? What? And it's like this prescription. I applied it every single day. I Couldn't have done it once, couldn't have done it twice. It, she was like, you've got to keep doing this until it dies. And so it is with us. And I want to give you a little bit of a way that you can walk through this because I want you to walk out of here with a very practical application of like, but what do I do? Like, I believe what you're saying is true, but I want you to know that it is true for you. No matter where you are, what you have in your life, it is true for you. He is true for you. He will kill the sin. That's what he lives to do. And so here it is, very simply, ACT, act. If there's something going on in your life that you need, you got to take action, you need to act. A is to ask God, just ask. Ask him to help. He's the sin killer, you need to only ask him. Bring him into the fight. Be like, God, I've got this thing, I need your help. For the next 24 hours, will you keep me free from X, Y, or Z? Just ask. And then the C is commit. Commit to another brother or sister in Christ that you will not give in to your thing by God's strength, not your own. Don't carry it around, you apply it. Commit by God's strength to another brother or sister before, say, for the next 24 hours, I'm not gonna give in to X, Y, or Z drinking, undereating, overeating. Pills, changing five times before I walk out of the door because of my body image struggle. That inappropriate relationship at work, whatever it is, for the next 24 hours, by God's strength, I'm not gonna give in to that. And they'll do it back, you know? Find somebody that'll do it with you because everybody's got something. And then the T is text, talk, or you could say tomorrow. Tomorrow. But it's the next 24 hours. Set an alarm on your phone to go off every single day. In the next 24 hours, you're gonna follow up with that individual and you're gonna let them know how you did. Now what you've done is you brought God into the fight. You brought the people of God into the fight and you have applied this balm to your soul to bring healing. And he's gonna kill that sin. He's gonna do it. This is how I couldn't conceive of not drinking for the rest of my life. I'm like, what do you do on Friday? What do you do on a holiday? What do you do at a wedding reception? What do you do on a, on a vacation in Mexico? Like, are you kidding me? Life without alcohol? And somebody's like, well, could you go 24 hours with God's help? And I'm like, yeah, I could do that. Yeah, but what about the rest of my life? He's like, don't worry about that. It's daily bread. God's like, here's enough for today, I'll see you tomorrow. Here's enough for today, I'll see you tomorrow. For the rest of our days, it's the daily application in which God goes to war against us and he'll set you free one day at a time for the rest of your life. You ask God for help, see, commit. When I put this wedding band on and I said yes to Laura, I said no to every other four billion women walking this planet, which makes it really easy. It's like, well, Laura's mine, so everyone else isn't. And so it is, when you make that commitment like, hey God, for the next 24 hours, by your help, I'm saying yes to you and no to that. And I I don't think I could commit for the rest of my life. And God doesn't even want you to. He wants you to stay in that dependency with him. Like, don't, don't make some false expectation. Just walk with me every day and you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. And then as far as like talking and texting with the person the next day, God calls us to walk with each other every day. Encourage one another daily so you won't be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So I invite you to text someone right now and be like, hey, remind me to talk to you about something. I wanna start doing this thing with you. Did you make a resolution? Like, let's do something together and go to war with the power of the Lord and be transformed. Be transformed by the death and resurrection of Christ Second, be transformed by the daily renewal of Christ. The daily renewal of Christ. Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. There is a daily, hourly choice. You're either gonna be conformed or transformed. There is no neutral, there's no alternative. Every single waking hour, we're either in a state of being conformed to the world or transformation to the Lord. And so I want you to think about, like what what are the sources or the forces that are conforming me to the world? What are those inputs in my life that are shaping me to be more like the world than the Lord? You might think about social media, whatever it is that you're streaming on repeat and binging. Maybe it's what's going into your body. Maybe it's the friendships that you're around or the person that you're dating or wanna date that you're trying to impress. But there are those things, those forces or sources that are causing us to be conformed to the world The Lord says it must not be. Instead, you've got to be transformed. When it says be transformed by, the verb tense to like geek out on you, it's present, passive, imperative, and it really, really matters. It's present when he says, hey, be transformed by. He's like, this isn't a one and done thing. Like this is every day, this renewal of the mind to be transformed to the Lord to be transformed and renewed in Christ. This is daily, that's present. Then you have passive. Passive means you're not doing it, it's being done to you. This action, this transformation, you can't try, this is by. And you get a lot of exhausted Christians as they just try and try and why can't I do this? And you're like the New Year's resolution. Your willpower is not greater than sin's power, but God's power is. So it is by, it's done to you rather than trying by you. And then you have imperative, which means this is no suggestion. This isn't a what if. This is the Christian life, that we are to be renewed daily, to not be satisfied with our day of salvation but to every day be living in a day of sanctification by the renewing of our mind. And so here's the vivification that we have talked about. The vivification of the spirit. My son Hill has a remote control boat and we, we dropped it into the, to the pond and had the remote control and it's beeping and working, except the boat isn't responding. And I thought, uh, maybe it's just not synced up. and and the wind's blowing, and it's drifting a little further from the dock, and no joke, I I lay on the dock, and I'm like, sit on my legs, (laughs) so I can like extend out, because that thing was gone. (laughs) And I just told my kids, I'm like, yeah, I had a remote control boat once, I took it out, and then the waves, and it sank. I just watched it on the first maiden voyage, I'm like, oh my goodness, it's happening again. (laughs) It's like prophetic and pathetic. (laughs) <laughs> just watching it, like, drift. It had a battery in it, but the battery wasn't charged. And so it was adrift by every wave and whim that would push against it. And the same it is with us. If we are not charged by the Spirit, you know, there I am as the one in control, like, being like, go, turn around. Like, what is, th- what is wrong? Like, off, on, off, on. Are you kidding me right now? And it's just drifting, to the waves. But we can be charged by the Spirit. We must be charged by the Spirit, to be filled by the Spirit. It's nothing we can do. This is no mustering of effort. Rather, it is a yieldedness to the Spirit. You can't get more of the Spirit, but the Spirit can get more of you as you avail yourself to Him, as you plug in like this battery needed, so it wouldn't be a drift, but rather it would respond to me as I'm like, Okay, now I'm going to have you go here. Now I'm going to have you turn. Like as God desires for us, that we would hear his voice, respond to his voice, be shaped to Christ. If we are plugged in, nothing you can do. It's done to you. It is a buy rather than a try. And here are just some of the ways. His word. When I was first getting sober, I picked up a Bible and I determined, God... There is truth for me on this page. Whatever page it is, there is truth for me on this page. It's not just that it's true, it's true for you. And there's a transformative effect by the renewal of your mind. It's what Jesus says in John seventeen seventeen. He's praying to the Father for us. He says, sanctify them by truth. Your word is truth that there was to be a sanctifying, a vivification of our spirit, not for information, for transformation. Another is by prayer. It says in Ephesians 6.18, praying at all times, and then it gives a caveat, in the spirit. You're like, what else is there? I'll tell you what else there is. Uh, Oh, Dear God, thank you for this food. Um, Thanks for our house. Thanks for these kids. Uh, Please help us. We love you. Amen. And it's routine and religious, and it's not in the spirit. Jesus was like, hey, the pagans think that they'll be heard because of their many words. They heap up these empty phrases. Don't be like them. Your father knows what you need even before you ask, but rather pray in the spirit. Be like, all right, like talk to him as your father and plug in through prayer, praying at all times, in the spirit, not dead religion, another way that you can plug in, oh man, let me jump back, I don't wanna miss this. Through join the journey, like the word, the word, like have have a plan, don't just be like, let's see, oh, Deuteronomy, this is gonna be a long day. (laughs) Uh, Join the journey is something. There's an app, there's a journal, And there's Join the Journey Junior. My son, Hill, who's somewhere in the room, I think, right now. Raise your hand, Hill. Where are you at? Oh, no, that was a dude. Uh, Teach you to scratch your head. Um, (laughs) I'm not your son. Uh, Every morning, we get up, and we spend 30 minutes together. I got a big cup of coffee. He's got a big cup of orange juice, and he does Join the Journey Junior. He's a third grader. If your kid can read, man, do it together. And let that word sanctify And then there's prayer. And then third, there's the believers, the family of believers, to be transformed. There's a transforming by the renewing of your mind. It happened to me on this stage, moments before you even walked in, as me and my community group member, one of them, John Abel, we confessed to each other. I was like, hey man, I I was harsh to my two boys last night. I raised my voice, I was sharp and biting and I saw their countenance fall. And we get to pray for each other. Like, I need that. I need that renewal of mind. And he was the one. He initiated. was like, hey man, let's talk and, and pray beforehand. What a gift. And so if, if you find yourself in this place, I want you to know that you can be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Regeneration for adults, regen for students. And get online at watermark.org, regen for students. 6th through 12th grade. Or regen on Monday night, tomorrow night, 630 30. And then third, to be transformed by the declared will of Christ. Transformed by the declared will of Christ. So you have transformed by the death and resurrection of Christ, transformed by the daily renewal of Christ, and then transformed by the declared will of Christ. It's Romans 12, two, second part. That by testing, you may discern what is the will of God. We always wanna know, right? Like, man, what's God's will for my life? It's like, well, if you would trust in me for salvation, walk with me daily and live according to my ways, you'll know my will. And my will is good, acceptable, and perfect. I was coming into work one day. I live in Richardson. I was taking 75 south and uh, I hit a little bit of traffic and so I, I pull up, I don't know if it was Waze or Google Maps, but I pull up one of them and it was like, rerouting. And it says 635 east, like towards Mesquite. And I'm like, What in the world? So I X out of it, I reset it, Watermark Community Church. 635 East, I'm like, there's no way. But I've driven enough times with Laura where she was like, just follow the map, follow the map, instead of being a headstrong male. Like, no, I'll get there, we end up in Kansas. Uh, I'm like, all right, I'm I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna go east on 635, even though Watermark is one block west on 635, this makes no sense. And I do. I take the flyover, and here I am, headed towards Mesquite. And it's like, exit Greenville. Make a U-turn. And sure enough, there I am, right at watermark. You know what there was? There was two wrecks. Two wrecks. And what I couldn't see, Google satellites could see, however it works. (laughs) And they're like, don't go that way. And I learned to trust it. And that as we walk with God, he sees what we can't see and that we wouldn't go by our feelings or our gut or our intuition or our know-how, but that we would discern the will of God and that we would be transformed by the declared will of Christ. And we'd be like, hey man, not man, God man. I can't see. This doesn't make sense to me. But if you say so, not my will, but your will be done. It says in 2 Timothy 3.16 that all Scripture, all Scripture, Old and New Testament, including Deuteronomy, if you go Bible roulette, all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, correcting, rebuking, and training in righteousness. You're like, okay, great. So those five things? No. Not just those five things. It's not exhaustive. It says, so that... It's not just that it is, it's that it is for you. It says, so that the man or woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Not most good works, not some good works, not an occasional good work. God's like, I got you. Like you live according to the declared will of Christ. You be transformed by the declared will of Christ and you're gonna be thoroughly equipped. You're gonna be ready for every good work. And God has got us floating around out here. If we'd put our phones down for just a second and look up to those around us, he's like, I've got you there for a reason. That interruption is divine intervention. And you're about to walk into my will. I was at Trader Joe's like last weekend. And I'm at the checkout line and I'm talking to the guy and, and I'm trying to build a bridge about my alcoholism and invite him to church. And so we're talking And then the bagger, she's like stuffing stuff, and she goes, and I invite him to church, and uh, (laughs) she goes, you know what? Every time people talk about church and spiritual things, seems like they're from Watermark, huh? I was like, well, seems like God may be inviting you to come, and I don't say that to make much of Watermark. There's, there's a hundred. Bible-believing, Christ-preaching churches here, I say that to you. And it chokes me up that that y'all are out there getting groceries. Instead of looking at your phone, you're looking at the bagger at Trader Joe's and like, hey, would you want to join me? You're living out the declared will of Christ to reach them all for Christ, to be transformed by Christ, to love like Christ. You're living in the declared will of God that a a checkout person and a bagger at Trader Joe's like, (laughs) I know about y'all. I hope you're here today. Welcome. Transformed by the death and resurrection of Christ, transformed by the daily renewal of Christ, transformed by the declared will of Christ. And as a result, I don't want you to take just my word for it, My closing illustration, I want you to take their word for it. Please welcome to the stage David and Lauren Kinney.
1: With parents divorcing when I was six years old, my earliest memories are of fighting, arguing, drugs, alcohol, and the absence of family unity. At a very young age, I learned to do things without asking for help, and I didn't have any real guidance in life. I occasionally went to church, but I didn't understand who Jesus was. I quickly became the golden child who seemed to do what was asked of me when in reality I was learning how to fly under the radar it become self-sufficient, thinking I was in control. In high school, I broke my collarbone playing football and was prescribed pain pills with unlimited refills. Mixing pain pills with alcohol led to a car crash within that same year where I broke my other collarbone. This incident started a vicious cycle that led to a very long progressive addiction to opiates that I was able to hide. Shortly after high school, I met Lauren. During that time of dating, Lauren started attending Watermark, so I followed suit. A few years later, we got married. We we are regularly attending church, serving, and involved with various ministries, all while I'm still hiding my dependence on pain pills. I learned more about Jesus, but thought I could have my cake and eat it too, playing the role of a godly husband while still remaining dependent on my drug. I was on a fast track of destruction and believed I was too far gone to be redeemed. So the best I could do was control my image while my sins piled out of control. But one day I had the courage to confess to Lauren.
2: I'm living in marital bliss with two young daughters at home and then things came to a screeching halt. My world came crashing down and I was devastated. But I pulled myself together and naively thought, okay, It's just a little hiccup, he'll go to treatment, I'll be supportive, he'll come home, we'll move on, all will be back to normal shortly. In hindsight, it is easy to see how unrealistic all of those expectations were. Instead of quickly returning to marital bliss, what ensued instead was a war waged of chaos and addiction.
1: Once I left recovery, I began attending Regen, and Lauren and I both started attending Reengage. Not because I wanted help, but because I needed help drawing attention away from myself. You see, I left recovery sicker than when I went in. I had learned about heroin and started using daily.
2: David's addiction spiraled us into uncertainty, as he wreaked havoc on our lives for the next four years. He would disappear for days and weeks at a time. He was in and out of jail, in and out of our home, in and out of rehab. He drained our bank accounts and pawned our possessions. He stole from our family, our friends and strangers, even stealing my wedding rings and stealing from our neighbors who also happened to be police officers. He was living in the hell of a heroin addiction and I was trying to not be collateral damage.
1: To make matters worse, I got a call one afternoon that Watermark had evidence that I had stolen tens of thousands of dollars worth of equipment from them on multiple occasions. I was facing felony theft charges from this church.
2: I was emotionally distraught, wounded in embarrassment and shame, not just at my husband's transgressions but in myself, that this is who I chose to marry. There are not enough words to describe the hurt and heartache that I suffered, the fear and hopelessness that tried to consume me, the ups and downs, the one step forward and three steps back. All I could do was cry and pray as literally everything was stolen from or collapsed around me. Through this storm, I leaned into my faith, my community, and this church. I don't remember my expectations of how it would all stop, but I quickly realized there was no quick fix solution to end our chaos. Yet in the midst of this deep valley, my heart and hands slowly opened. Expectations of the future were cast aside as I chose to fix my eyes on Jesus alone walking by faith and resting in peace because of the promises that he made. I was steadfast in Christ's love, not because David was sober, but because Christ's love was so overwhelming.
1: I was numbing myself out of fear and shame, and I thought there was no way that God could love me now. Months after leaving our home, I was walking the streets of downtown Dallas, looking for something to steal, something I could pawn, Something of value so I can find my value in the needle. In the middle of those streets, a piece of paper got stuck to my leg. That paper literally said, God loves you. You see, even though I was searching the streets, I was crying out, praying, God help me. God, I can't do this on my own. And in that instance, it was as though the scales fell off my eyes. God used that paper to remind me of his love and grace for me. That road to Damascus moment led me to a men's discipleship program for a year, where I finally understood the power of the gospel and accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. Upon my graduation from the program, I returned home. That next Sunday, we walked into this church, and the men that I hadn't seen in over a year welcomed me home. That following Monday, I walked into Regen with a renewed commitment to finishing the race that I had started years before. I now serve as a leader of leaders within the regen ministry. But what's even more incredible about my testimony is that this very church from which I stole, this church from which I carry felony charges, this church hired me to be on their staff. And not just any position. I now carry in my pocket every, the keys to every door to every building of this church. That's proof of God's transformative power in my life.
2: If you would have told me that in a few short years, all will be well and David would be on staff at Watermark, I would have thought you were doing drugs with him, hands down, (laughs) but God. David is not the same person that I married. He is the man that I prayed he would become. A godly husband, servant-hearted, a leader and provider of our family, faithfully walking with the Lord, every single day. People who walk this path with us, know us or hear our story, tend to describe me as strong or brave. But what I hope you see in my story is not me being courageous or strong, but Christ's power in me through the Holy Spirit. I'm just in awe that God gave me a front row seat to watch David's life be transformed. I leave you with Ephesians 3:20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. Thank you.
0: Good. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Take a look behind you, sister. <laughs> The Lord Jesus Christ transforms people. It's what he lives to do, and he alone is able, we need only to call out and ask. 1,500 years ago, there was a poet named Dallin Forgale, and he wrote a poem. And in that poem that had been lost for centuries, he wrote, be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart not be all else to me, save that you are. The interesting thing about Dallin Forgale is he was blind. And so the one vision that he said and wrote that has been echoing through the millennium was Jesus, be my vision. Be my vision. The vision for our church, be transformed by Christ to love like Christ, let me pray. Lord Jesus, be our vision and let all else not be. You are the one who transforms. You alone have the power and to you alone be the glory. And God, for anyone who longs to experience your transforming power, I pray that after this service, at the close, they would come forward or go to regeneration on Monday. That you would do a great work in their life and you would continue in the lives of everyone in this hearing. To you be the glory in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.